Well, hello, everyone. This is Daniel here at the Solar Network, and here I am with Steve Moy and Helicon Kwan. And I'm going to have you guys introduce yourselves as you go along. What we're, what we're talking about today is how to care for someone with cancer. And this is something that has touched uh, many of us. Uh, maybe we have a loved one or a friend who has gone through this. And many times, we don't know how to respond well. Um, and so just want to hear from you about your experiences. And so first, I, 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 both both of you have have gone through have gone through cancer and both of you are um, are vocational ministers. So I wanted to ask you about this. So so the first thing I want to ask you is to share about yourself and then also your experience with cancer and how's your health now? So uh, I'm Steve Moy. I work at the Evangelical Chinese Church of Seattle. And I had cancer back in 2009. So it's about uh, 12, 12 years or so, 13 years or so uh, since, since my diagnosis and treatment and such. Um, I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in my spine. So yeah, I don't want to bore everyone with the, the medical terms and things like that. But basically, it was uh, all up and down my spine and also my, the bony areas in my, my skull that I had um, that had cancer uh, or can cancer cells. So going through treatments for uh, about a month of um, because it was stage four cancer. So a whole month of treatments with uh, chemo and then also some and radiation for, for the spot uh, directly. Uh, so cancer, yeah, it was uh, definitely, uh, I don't think anyone's ready for cancer. Uh, everyone tries to avoid the C word, but it happens. So, and it was a first time for, for me uh, and my family, I don't think anyone, my, my extended family, anyone had cancer uh, that I knew of at the time. Uh, just go talking to my mom afterwards, my my grandfather, who I'd never met uh, on on her side, um, her her dad had cancer, but nose cancer, which we didn't, uh, which I, I never met him, but he had passed away uh, back in uh, Macau many years ago. So there is a history which it, it was not always uh, told to us uh, growing up. So. We, we would never be able to tell our doctors, say, oh, did you have a history of cancer? This was never, it was never ever pronounced. So uh, going through the experience, it was, it was crazy uh, because I, I was, I was in pain for, for, um, for months from January leading up to, to April, which was the, the main thing. I was, I thought I had some kind of pain, some kind of nerve issue, which was kind of true because the, uh, the cancer was growing in the spine and it was affecting the pain area, uh, the nerves that was uh, affecting the pain areas. Uh, it was not until four months later, after going through multiple blood tests, uh, seeing the many different specialists, uh, just to see to 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 figure out what the pain was all about, uh, that using a CAT scan was able to find a growth which was really small and was affecting the nerves. Uh, and then, of course, everything was a whirlwind from from the first of April all the way down to the end of April before I was uh, given uh, chemotherapy, uh, seeing an, an oncologist and going through all treatments, uh, seeing a, a second opinion as well. And everyone said, well, your your type of cancer is very treatable. Uh, you know, this 95% is treatable and you will be in remission. However, there's always that thought uh, going in like, okay, the 5%, who's the 5%? Uh, am I going to be the 5%? So there's always a sense of, okay, uh, I know my life is in God's hands and I know that he heals. He is the great healer. With us trusting in him in this process, I think uh, having my wife being there, 
handling all the, the medical stuff on the side, and also having someone in, in our family who's a nurse and an oncology nurse who's able to give knowledge and also um, wisdom on some of the things that we should be looking out for in the hospital. Uh, I still have the box, uh, I guess the, uh, the box of all the medical records that we still have and the binder of all the treatments from every day uh, that my wife put together. And she was amazing during the whole time, just doing everything that, that she could while I was in the hospital. Uh, at that time, we also had uh, our, our oldest daughter was uh, about four, four years old. So uh, just for me, it was just, again, it was just a huge whirlwind and not knowing the outcome, even though doctors, experts would say, well, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And then having the treatments uh, going, uh, going in for a week. Uh, okay, you treat it. Okay, go home, recover. Uh, come back in another in two weeks, and we'll treat you again. So it was just bang, 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 bang. So uh, treatments were always relating to chemo's, always um, hit or miss. There are some that were fine, uh, just a lot of lesser G, uh, not some low energy levels. Uh, spending in the hospital a lot, long times in the hospital, just reflecting. And um, and there was other uh, another kind of chemo which we just being tested, just being given a bit, uh, knowing that this was the, the bad one. So that would be a lot of uh, um, vomiting and other things like that relating to it. And and of course, the lethargy as well. So yeah, one type of chemo, oh, I'll be fine. And then knowing that, oh, that, that second one's coming. So I was like, oh, it's just got to get prepared for it. Um, now I'm in full remission the last, uh, again, last uh, 12 years. So uh, I think the doctor said after the first uh, five years, you're you should be in remission. You'll be in remission. You should, should be good. Ten years. Um, so no no indication of any cancer right now, especially not that type. Thank you, Steve. Thank God that you are uh, in better health now uh, and have been for for this many years. Helicon. Hi. Yeah. My name is Helicon Kwan, and I am a pastor at Chinese. Um, Chinese for Christ Church of San Jose. It's in uh, Silicon Valley. And my experience with cancer was actually, I was planning to go on a missions trip to Iraq. And um, but the, the year, half a year before, I was in Bolivia and I had problems breathing. And for some reason, I was in Bolivia, South America, and it's a high altitude place. And I had a hard time breathing. And then so I decided when I came back, I was going to get some um, something done with my nose. And so before my second missions trip to Iraq, um, um, I ended up going to the ENT to remove some adenoid tissue that had built up. And it was in that process of finishing my missions planning that I found out the day after I paid for my ticket, which was non-refundable, that I that I was grounded. I couldn't go because I had um, stage two, or well, I didn't know what, what kind of cancer, but they had found cancer. Um, mm -hmm. And it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it was the opposite of Steve's. It was a non, he had non, I had Hodgkin's. Yeah. And mine was actually my lymph nodes, which is like right here. And I have no idea. I was in great health. I had just lost like a ton of weight working out. I was in a, probably one of the better stages of my fitness levels. And um, so I was grounded from going to this missions trip. And and basically the process was that that whirlwind of finding out what you have, where it, where it is at. And what I ended up having was stage 2A, which is early stage two locations or multiple locations, but cyst two is mostly in my lymph nodes, um, right and left right here. And um and essentially, I did four months of four rounds of chemo. I know it's a highly treatable um, 
lymphoma. And fortunately, like Steve, we both, ours are both pretty knowledgeable. So certain treatments are, are, are widely used and common. So I, I knew the survival rate was much higher. Obviously, I can't, there's a low statistical uh, number that of people that don't, doesn't work out. So that was always a, th- a fear, but um, I, I was pretty confident that it was going to be okay, but it was still like everybody else. Cancer is no fun. And it was horribly tough at times. Um, I would say like um, chemo was four months and then we waited to see how far and it was cleared. And I, I got to skip the last two, two rounds, which is uh, every two weeks was one round for me. And it was like a four hour se- session. So they give you a one week of you suffer through the after effects and so one week your body recovers. And I would say that chemo the hardest thing about it was it's like a marathon, like early on your body recovers, you're, you're fine within a few days. And then four months in, you're just like, it's exhausting. There started to be after effects. Everybody's effects or experiences are very different, how they respond to the medication. Uh, some lose their, lose certain flavor. Some get really nauseous for certain things. I I had that. And, um, and after that, I did radiation treatment, which was for a month straight. So about 20 or 20 days, like four weeks, basically, they call it five days a week. And it was uh, one 10 minute burst on the the two lymph nodes to reassure and radiation is the older way of doing things. It's kind of like a shotgun blast. Chemo is more precise. It's more like a uh, poison that tries to kill everything that's living. That's why you lose your hair. And so that's kind of the things that went through. And that that's the hard part. To me, I always tell people radiation was more vicious because I lost my taste buds and a sense of taste for two months or so. And everything tasted horrible. You can, I'll share that later if, if you want to hear more about that. But yeah, that was tough. And so uh, I went through radiation and I actually went through the journey kind of without uh, anybody but my church community around me. At that time I was single and, um, you know, currently now I'm married and I have a son, a son that's almost one years old, next couple of days. And um, so praise God, I didn't think we, we could have kids after the chemo and the radiation. So God's provision. Um, but besides that, I, I think uh, the experience What's hard is just, I wrote, um, don't read the stuff online. When you hear about people's cancer, don't go online and start looking because they usually give you the worst case. There's, I had people calling me and crying, going, you're going to die. <laughs> it was so hard. So my, my experience was don't read anything online. Take what your doctor says. They're the professionals, your oncologist, and work with them. And I, had, I still have my file full of all my stuff gathered together. So similar to Steve. And oh, by the way, five years clear. Five years clear now six years i'm in they call it deep water just kind of like uh, steve um it, it was pretty awesome to free but before those checkups there's always still a little bit of anxiety a little bit of fear like what if what if and so it's gotten less and less after the subsequent years but um year five going past that that boundary has made me in remission as well so i can't i'm so grateful for that so i don't think i'm that think as much about cancer anymore as i used to both of you kind of shared a bit about kind of how your prayers were or what you were thinking and how you're relating to God. You know, what were some of, what was your spiritual journey through that time? And then what are some things that now that you look back, what are some insights that you have uh, in your, in terms of, uh, in terms of God and how, and how you relate to him? Well, definitely. Uh, but with the, the massive amount of time you have, you're not doing, you're not working uh, you don't have to see a lot of people. There's a lot of time to do uh, more in-depth uh, Bible you know, devotions and Bible reading. I mean, during the times when, when you can do it. So there's just a lot of sing around. Although people say, oh, you could watch TV, you could do all this stuff. After a while, you know, those things just didn't matter anymore. I think going in, yeah, there's always that 
uh, anxiousness and nervousness saying that, okay, how will this, what was the outcome going to be? And I think I, as, as it progressed, I, I, I just got a sense of peace knowing that God is going to either heal me and knowing that things are in his hands. So I felt that um, I was always at a sense of peace. People would come and visit in the hospital every so often and, and uh, people would gather and, and talk and say, hey, how do you, how do you feel? What, what do you think? You know? And I, I could see in their eyes that they're, they're anxious or the way their body language is, they're anxious. But for me, I just felt, uh, felt a sense of peace uh, during the, the whole process. Once I, I started the treatments and I, I just felt like I just felt that, you know, everything is God's hands. Um, so if I don't if I don't survive this, I know that there's there's a reason why um, I don't know why, but I know that I'm in God's hands. So so that was that was that was what, what I went through the whole the whole month uh, of chemo and the other treatments. I'm, for me, I think peace was huge, too. Um, but for me, the word was gratitude. I think. Mm -hmm. um, Getting really thankful because your faith is very, you can theorize, you can make things left hugely complex. But I think when it comes down to life and death, it, like Moses says, right, just choose life, right? There's two choices. You're going to die, you're going to live. Do you want to believe or you don't want to believe? You can live a, a bittered life, um, just traveling that course of being coming discouraged more. Or there was an opportunity to lean in and say, God, you are real and I can trust in you. And I think the word of God became incredibly real. In that time, I think stories like the story of Job became real. I'm sure Steve probably has his own insights. I think Philippians for me was Paul's suffering and yet joy and hopefulness. And if he was to die or if he was to live, you know, it, it's gain. And I think those are very comforting for me. So the word of God became comforting. I think uh, it was refining. It made me realize how much more God was working. I think uh, I never felt alone. I think that's the, the piece, right, is that you never felt alone. Uh, you you had um, not only the sense of comfort from God by the spirit moving, but there was also just um, people in the, your life, people that loved you, that wanted to check up on you, that mm -hmm. would call you at random times, email you. And that happened many times. There's calls or texts in the middle of the night that would just become, they didn't know, but I was grieving in that moment or struggling. I needed that voice in and God answered mm -hmm. by sending a sister or brother to speak to me. Uh, and um, that helped. And it gave me hope. It gave me hope that there's a life to perhaps live and how to live it better in the future. So for me, it was, I realized what's more important, like what's important, what are things to be more grateful for? Because now as you realize some, some things I'm so mad about or I get angry about, why was I so mad? Life is so short, like it's so brief. It's so, why don't I cling to things and be more grateful that I have friends or the loved ones I have, like Steve having his wife at that time. And it's changed the way I look at life today, to this day, I think gratitude, yeah. Both of you are in vocational ministry, and uh, and this is this has touched your life. You know, how, how can people in the church support somebody who's going through cancer? You know, from your experience, and also from your professional experience too. I'll go first this time, Steve. Yeah, sure. That's okay, I just my turn. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the great things the church did for me, our church, was their prayer ministry was very active. They, they, they held times together just to pray for me. Um, and they didn't stop inviting me to things and, and even visiting me regularly. So members of my community would visit me, pray with me, pray with my, my mom who was taking care of me for that first month. And that was a huge witness to her and encouragement to her to see the church's love. 
I think also my church um, took care of my a lot of the costs for me. So for me, that burden was removed. So I didn't have to worry about it as a young pastor, a young single pastor mm-hmm. guy. So that was very a, gra- a grateful thing was the church's financial support, but mainly it was the prayer and the friendship and the the cooking, the food, the meal trains oh. that came, oh, that was endless cycle of it, but that was so helpful. And so off the top of my head, I'll think of those things for now. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to Helicon, uh, I think that the community came together and I think uh, at ECC, that's that's one of the big draws of it, that the community does come come together for you. Uh, uh, someone from, from our small group started up a, uh, a blog for me. Uh, you know, this is early, early on in, in those years of blogs. So she started a blog and then uh, somehow it, it got disseminated to all my friends on the East Coast and such. So I would check on the blog every day and very similar to Helicon. People were writing it, hey, I haven't seen you in you know 10 years. I have, you know, I'm sorry to hear you have cancer. So just reading and seeing these names, like, oh hey, remember we went to a mission trip together back in back when we were in college. Do you remember me? Uh so just people just coming out and supporting, say, we're praying for you every day. Uh and then later on, after treatment was done and I, I was healthy, I would hear from from just these uh Sunday school teachers that would say, Hey, we were praying for you during that time, if you if you didn't know, right? And then other little uh, little children would come up now that they're teenagers say, I remember you I, when we when I was in fourth grade or, or third grade, uh, I'll, Sunday school teachers say, oh, we need to pray for, for Steve because he has cancer. And they remember these things. And, and now that I hear it, I'm so encouraged that knowing that there's a lot more going on, a lot more in our, in our community that I never knew about. Uh, the, uh, but the blog was great. And I think um, for me, I wasn't working for the church at that time. So financially, um, we they covered some things. Uh, we uh, ECC has a fund called the uh, Good Samaritan Fund. So it covers up to a certain uh, about $1,000 uh, initially. And then if there's more needs, then we uh, people can apply for it. So so that helped a little bit in in covering some of the costs of, of, uh, of, of treatments. But, you know, of course, it doesn't cover the whole lot, uh, all of it. So. And I think uh, also the meal trains, people would come by and drop off food. I think that's a huge thing as well. That thing started up, that the meal train just started up uh, the first day I was diagnosed. And people would just uh, would sign up and just bring all types of food for us just to sustain uh, my family. I mean, I did lose, I did get, uh, I did lose taste early on. So there's just a lot that, um, that I couldn't taste, but I just still ate it because it's food. It's supposed to sustain me. Of course, losing appetite is a tough thing as well. Yeah, losing taste, that that is not a fun thing. It's like, just imagine eating Chipotle and it tasting like cardboard and like wet paper. <laughs> That's how I distinctly remember, you can feel the spice, but you can't taste the saltiness and the flavoring. Yeah. And that was just, I like to eat. So that's just one of the worst <laughs> experiences. <laughs> you know, this is, is this the kind of thing that, I think I think the average person doesn't know what to say. Hmm. What would you say to that? Uh, one thing is don't try to figure out why hmm. the person got cancer. Don't be like, oh, maybe you needed to go to the gym more. Maybe it was your dietary habits. It's <laughs> there's no causal link. They they say potentially, yeah, there's a higher likelihood. But I had older uh, sisters in our church, you know, the, the older Chinese ladies, they want to be helpful, but they always want to tell me I'm not healthy. And so they <laughs> wanted to make a link between my perhaps college young adult life 
habits and the cancer. And that was very unhelpful. That was one of the most discouraging was just being told like, oh yeah, if you did this, you could have done better. And like, it was like something that was caused by you. Like there's a sense of your fault to it. And that was, that was painful. That's one thought for now. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's very true. Uh, many people just don't know because they're, they're frozen. If they haven't experienced this within a family member or a close friend, it's just, oh, well, what do I say? If I if I say something, will that trigger them into some kind of some a, a different stage? But I would encourage those people who don't or freeze up a little bit that it's it's okay. We're we're human, and uh, and we could we could take <laughs> we could take whatever comments you have. I mean, we're we're in the sickness right now, and it, it's it's okay. We know what we know what happened. Um, whether it's going to be good or bad, right? It's it's okay to say, hey, I'm sorry about having cancer, but but also when 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 I did hear that, like, I'm sorry, I said, it's not your fault. You should be sorry. Uh, it, you know, it's just my body. It, it, this is just something's happening to me right now. But I appreciate what, what, what you're trying to say. And I appreciate that you, you did mention it. Any, um, any, any final thoughts as we, as we think through, you know, how do we, how do we come alongside and care for someone with this? I think uh, for me, I think um, there's a line in Philippians chapter one. I think right before the the for me to live is to is Christ to die is gain. There's a section where it says, you know, he was comforted by people praying for him. Mm-hmm. And I think people telling you they're praying for you. When we say that, it can seem so casual, but if you actually mean it, if you think about it, the idea of being prayed for means that this person, in the busyness of their own lives, the busyness of their own perspective. They, they pause and they, they go to the, our infinite God, our infinite creator and says, God, I want to pray for this person I, I care about. And to, to pause in that moment to say, you're the best thing that can do you that can happen for this friend of mine who needs healing. And for me to know that you're being prayed for, like coming to me and say, hey, I've been praying for you. I, I didn't see that it was something very flippant or dismissive. I thought that was very generous. I was like, man, that's the best thing you could do. You, you sought God for me. And you would do it in the midst of your own workflow life, your busyness, and you would think about me. I had so many friends just text me, message me, send me gifts, right? But the, the gifts were small things, but the prayer to me was like, oh, that to this day, I, I think those are the things that sometimes got me through certain hard moments was just a friend calling me late at night. I'm praying for you right now. And I'm like, I needed that because I felt really depressed. And or right before they told me I might have to extend my chemo which was wrong. They, the person misdiagnosed it, but I was so sad. And my friend messaged me and said, Hey, I'm praying for you right now. And I was like, I needed that so much more than you realized. And truly is a comfort, truly is a comfort. So. Yeah, I agree. That's such a great thing that, that we talk about all the time. Like prayer is the most, the biggest thing you can do. Uh, and then at times where we just don't, we, we see it as something very simple, but so powerful. And just knowing that there's so many people praying for you whatever, wherever they live. Um, and then also knowing the community, right? People coming by like, hey, we know you're sick, but hey, we left something outside for you. Or, or just knowing that that people continue to, to care for you. And and more more so for, for my family as well. Uh, taking my daughter out, um, knowing that uh, that she might need to be away from, from me for a bit just to, so I could recover. They would take her to the zoo or to the science center just to keep, keep, her, fo- keep her distracted a bit. Uh, and then when, when my family came to visit, uh, other other people would walk alongside them and, and take and take them out, allow them to allow them to just 
take their minds off my sickness, even though I was in, in the midst of it. So just hearing those stories and knowing that people are, are around uh, are so, so powerful. Well, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, Steve, Moy, and Helicon, Kwan, everyone, uh, thank you for sharing your stories. I'm grateful to hear that you are both in good health now and are serving the Lord in pastoral ministry. Thanks again for your time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>